watch it. Drink it in. All right, guys, and welcome back to the Big Six Podcast. This is episode 33. I'm your host, Ethan. We've got plenty to talk about today, so I won't waste anyone's time. We'll get straight into it. I'm joined today by Matt, as per. Yo, how you doing? And um, we've also got two guests on today. First of all, we've got Malik, who's a United supporter, so welcome on, mate. Yeah, hello, lads. Glad to be on. It's a pleasure. And we've also got Lenny, who's another United supporter, so welcome on as well. Yeah, lads. Thanks for having me. Not a problem, mate. So you're a bit outnumbered today, Matt. Sorry about that. But, um, uh, not idea. <laughs> but We'll get straight into it with the massive breaking story from today, which has come out about an hour before recording this, and that's that Jose Mourinho has only been out of work for about two weeks, and he'll be taking over Roma at the start of next season, which is very interesting. Well, I'll pass it over to you, Matt. What do you make of this news? Um, I, I kind of laughed at the time when I thought it, but I don't know, like... Roma have got some good players, but I don't know if their squad is all that in general. Like, they got Zaniolo, obviously, he's brilliant, but he's struggled with injuries. And whether I, I think Mourinho will either be a blessing in disguise for him or he'll be a you know an awful manager for him. Um, Jekyll, obviously, Pellegrini, but Mkhitaryan as well, which is quite funny for him. But I don't know, it, it's an interesting move for sure. I've I'm, I'm not really got too much to say on it, I guess. like... He was never going to go to a proper top club anymore now after that Spurs move as well because it proper tarnishes reputation getting sacked from United and Chelsea as well, particularly United because that was most recent. Um, I need to win the Prem there, but yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a bit of an out of the blue, strange one. What do you think? Um, I don't know. Yeah, again, I think it did. It does sort of show his decline, to be honest. Like he was never going to get a big job again. Obviously, I'm not a massive fan of him at all, but I. You know, I think it'd be a decent, you know, job for him, to be honest. Like, Italian football, I think, would be pretty good for him, no? Do you reckon? But the only problem is Roma aren't that good of a side. So, like, what's the expectations going to be like, do you think, for him? Yes, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. As you say, Serie A is definitely a league, which suits, you know, his play style and stuff, more pragmatic approach. But I'm not really too sure. It'd be interesting to see how it turns out, really. It's just so random, though. Obviously, their manager is going to stay on to the end of the season and then be taken over, and they're most likely going to be in the UEFA Conference League, which he'll probably want to stat pad another trophy onto his uh, onto his CV, shamelessly. But I'll bring you in now, uh, Lenny. Obviously, you're a United supporter. You've been through what he's like. So what, what do you make of this appointment for him? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not really a big fan of Mourinho, to be fair. And um, my brother's a Spurs fan, too, so I've been watching a lot of Spurs games the last... 18 months I guess and no to be fair I think it actually I think it suits him to be fair um, Italy a lot of the time they sit back deep and then I think I think it, I think it really does suit him the interesting thing is Mkhitaryan Smalling yeah because Mkhitaryan when he signed for Roma he had an interview saying um, he had a problem with Mourinho Mourinho took him into a meeting one day and said um, because of you I'm getting the blame in the media so that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Cool. Um, I feel sorry for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, Smalling, yeah, it's an interesting one though. Obviously, yeah. little little um, storylines there as well with Smallin, who actually got on with Mourinho quite well. So yeah. I'm sure he'll be happy with that. But you, I mean, you look at their squad now, and not many names sort of jump off the page at yeah. at all. Obviously, we saw the other day. I can't say I've watched too much Roma this season, but obviously I've watched a little bit. Plus, what I saw the other day. Obviously, got a lot of defensive weaknesses, letting in six against us, and they've been very poor in Serie A this season, and they're certainly far from the team that they once were. So it does make it a bit strange that they're hiring Mourinho when they That's sort of true. need a bit of a rebuild. So I don't know. Like, do you think they could get, make top four? I think uh, you can't really talk about a league title with like a lot of the oh, teams no, that are far better than Roma. But top four, do they I even have got... this good quality to to get top four? Like they they they're, they're replacing Fonseca for. They're They've replacing got like Fonseca for. I can't remember. What, yeah, Fonseca for Mourinho is quite, quite similar approaches being replaced. So it's a bit of a weird. What I'm trying to say is like, what do you think the realistic game could be? Because, I mean, Inter, they've just won the title. We'll talk about that a bit later, but they'll get top four next season, you think. As poor as Juventus are, you'd always expect them to be in the top four, as well as Atalanta. And then you've got obviously Milan, who are much better at the Napoli, moment. Napoli, Lazio, who are arguably both better teams than Roma as well. So, like, with appointing Mourinho, I'm not really sure what sort of vision they're trying to go for. Are they literally just going to try and like win the UEFA Conference League and like call that success? I don't know. Like it's such a strange one. 
I feel like there's a lot better managers out there you could do a rebuild with. Yeah. They they also, which is interesting, they got bought out by, um, I don't know his name, but his net worth is about four billion in 2020 or 2021 this year. I'm not sure. So that could be why they've gone for a big name manager to give him, you know, give him loads of money to go and spend and, you know, rebuild Roma. But, um, yeah, I think top four. Has, I think top four has to be. You don't go out and get Mourinho to be like, oh yeah, I hope we finish top seven. I think top four has to be what they want and what. I think I feel like they will go out and spend quite a lot of money this season. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. To be fair, obviously, they've got a lot of areas they need to, you know, address. Like even their talisman, Edin Dzeko, he's getting on a lot now. Obviously, they've got uh, Zaniolo to come back, like you said, which would be a massive bonus, but. At the back, they're you know they're not the best, are they? And that's what he sort of likes to base his game on. So, I'll bring you in then, um, Malik. What do you make of this whole thing with Mourinho going to Roma? Do you think he can succeed there? I think Mourinho has actually made a very good move for once. You know, to be honest, um, considering the teams they had the opportunity to go to, um, I think Roma are a solid team to go to. Not big personalities in the squad. Not too much pressure on him. Um, I mean, they're, they're quite a poor team if we're considering, like, in comparison teams he's been to. So, for once, the spotlight isn't on him as much. And um, I think, especially with Syria, it's a very tactical league. And with Mourinho and his, like, um, favouring of, like, pragmatism, I think he'll be able to think of ways to um, counter opposition threats consistently. So yeah, I expect a top four finish from Roman to Venice. Yeah, it depends how their window goes, to be fair. But yeah, I do completely agree with your point on that. I think it is quite a good move for him. And well, we mentioned this at Spurs um, a few weeks ago that he pretty much put himself in a position at Spurs that he couldn't fail. Like, yes, he got sacked. But, you know, if he didn't win a trophy, they weren't expecting him to win a trophy because they don't win trophies. But if he did, he this like sort of hero that's bought success back. And I feel like he's putting himself in a similar situation here. Like obviously, if they invest a lot of money into the squad, they're going to expect a little bit more than where they are on the table now. But at the moment, you know, they're not nowhere near a top four side. Like they're not really expected to challenge for anything. So again, he's sort of putting himself into a position where he can't really fail for now. I mean, if he if he spends 150 million on a new squad, then I suppose. But I mean, at the moment, they are poor. Like they they're in the top seven at the moment, but they might even get top seven. Like Sassuolo are only a couple of points behind them. So they might not even be in Europe at all next season, but be interesting to see how it pans out. Obviously he's not going to be in the dugout until next season. So the second leg against United, he won't be, I'm sure he might be present at the ground, but that would have been pretty funny. But um, yeah, be interesting to see how that one plays out. Again, it's another interesting sort of story to throw in with Syria at the moment, where there's a lot of things unfolding there, which we'll speak about in a little bit, but, could you we'll not say on. as well, just to quickly right. raise the point, what Malik said as well about picking a good move for his career, you know, going to a team he's not quite under the spotlight with. Do you think this could be a move where he tries to, you know, still prove that he is fit for a big club? So if he did do well at a lower club like Roma, then, you know, he tried to prove to people that he still can do it at a better club. Yeah, potentially. I feel like with his name, he's always going to be an attractive prospect for clubs. So, I mean, even if he doesn't succeed at Roma, I'm sure he'll be able to get himself another sort of similar level job. He's always going to have a bit of pull in that sense. But yeah, if he does succeed at Roma, I suppose he can try and run it back. But I don't know. I I don't think he'll succeed to a point where, for me, he'll be right up there again with the best. But, you know, be interesting to see how it goes. And I'm sure we'll get the whole, oh, he's studied his play style and stuff and he's going to come back a new man and stuff like that. But whether that um, comes to reality or not, we'll see. But we, well, I was going to say we'll move on to actual football now, but not really because the biggest story of the sort of weekend was the fact that the biggest game of the weekend didn't go ahead and Manchester United fans protested against the Glazers and sort of the positions of ownerships in football outside the ground and it led to the game being called off. And this has been quite a controversial topic in the media this week. So I'll just give my sort of take on it before I pass on to everyone else i think i'm not sure what the number of people actually were there i think it was near to ten thousand, which is a great effort from united supporters and obviously there is a couple that went over the line i saw you know a policeman had injuries and stuff like that people were chucking bottles and stuff like that and the media did what the media do and just paint the same brush on the whole fan base so i think that was a little bit harsh you know i think most of the fans acted responsibly i don't really think there's an issue breaking into the ground to be honest i, th- I think it's 
been shown in the past that peaceful protests do nothing and that protest to that extent you know it definitely got attention it was worldwide news so i don't really think that's an issue i think there was a, a video of a guy throwing a camera on the pitch i don't really know what the contest is behind that but you're obviously going to get a couple of idiots who overstepped the line but overall i think it definitely was a successful protest got the game called off and it certainly was a massive statement but yeah i think it's something that needed to be done and not discounting anyone else's protests because i thought specifically the chelsea and arsenal protests were very very good and i think it's good that we've sort of made a statement that fans do have the power which a lot of people were questioning a few weeks ago in relation to the european super league but the fans got that called off and now the fans are protesting to a point where the game can't go ahead so you know, I'll bring you in, Matt, before I go over to the other United supporters. What do you make of this whole sort of protest concept that's going on? I mean, fans have their voices and they have every right to, you know, express how they feel. You know, this is their club. This is a huge part of their life for a lot of them. Um, I do I do kind of feel like going on the actual pitch was a bit far, though, but I think it was horrendous planning from like Man United themselves, like... Why did armed policemen only arrive an hour later? When you've got, you know, when you see all this stuff on social media about a huge protest, you don't just expect there to be a small turnout or anything. You expect, like, if you're preparing, you know, to make sure they can't do any damage or anything happen, that, and you want the game to still go on and stuff from just a financial perspective or just wanting it to go ahead in general, you'd, you know, be prepared um, to have however many armed police and stuff to deal with these people, you know, to stop them getting on the ground. I, sh- I just think them coming like an hour after was horrendous and it was only why the protest was so successful as well, like in the stadium, but on the actual whole protest concept itself, you know, like as I say, fans have a voice. Um, United fans have been unbelievably unhappy with their owners and I think obviously seeing Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans, Super League stuff, you know, they've been inspired to really take their own stance on it and I think they've had the biggest turnout, so fair enough to them, but yeah, um, it was quite interesting to see the game fully postponed as well. But that that is a point to be raised. But it's just, is it really a point to be raised in the grand scheme of getting rid of the owners? Unfortunately, I don't think so. Because no. how many miles away? I'm not paying attention. But it's a good point to to raise really, and fans do have a right to you know express their anger towards the clubs are on but yeah as you say there are a few idiots as well we do overstep the mark like as you say a guy through a camera i don't i still don't know why you don't wear like some sort of mask or anything like you're literally so you know blatantly there on cctv or cameras or whatever and you know you you just get charged for property damage i think the people who came did proper damage just idiotic but yeah i understand the whole concept of protesting and think fans were I think it's just important on the whole just to emphasize the fan power that is still in the game because a lot of people thought like I said a minute ago that it was gone and it's not just about sort of getting rid of the glazers it's just about the whole sort of following on from the super league the whole sort of um ownership debate and stuff but yeah obviously there's a few people that overstepped the line but of course the media just massively blew it out of um blew out of proportion but I thought the message was really important and it did emphasize the power that the fans do have and that was great to see and I commend everyone that was there and behaved sort of appropriately and didn't overstep the mark because they are a credit to the fan base the people that did overstep the line aren't really but I'll come over to you then um Lenny I don't know if you went but um what did you think of the whole thing no I didn't go um I, th- I thought it was great to be fair I mean peace like you like you said I mean peaceful protests never never really work and um, but yeah, I feel like it needed to be done again. Like you said, um, there was some some idiots that I think I saw an official's eye got cut open. Just, mm. No need for that. Um, yeah, the guy throwing the um, the tripod. Just <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. That's not gonna do anything for sure. But yeah, I think it needed to be done. Um, breaking to the stadium. I mean, it, it maybe it didn't need to be done, but again, I don't really see a problem with it. No one got like a like a batter to get in. I mean. If they upgraded the stadium like they should be doing, it wouldn't be that easy to get into the stadium. Like, yeah. apparently they got through a um, the first time they got through. I think they got through some barricades, maybe some turnstiles, and then through something. The second time they broke through a disabled lift, like the glass door, and got through that way. But again, it just it just shows you. It's it's quite funny. It shows you how 
how poor the stadium is nowadays. Like the ceiling's caving in, like it's dripping. The paintwork is terrible. Like they haven't, they haven't, they don't care about the stadium. They don't care about football. They just care about making money. And I get that the club is like, um, it's a, it's a business more than ever now because of how big we are. But I still feel like you know you you got to somewhat treat it like a football club, which they don't, they don't do, and they they need to sell up. But again, they're no. not, they're not going to sell unless they get a tremendous offer of like four billion or something like that. I completely agree. I think the most important thing is, though, it's the message rather than the actual getting rid of the Glazers. Oh, the message can't be forgotten because we've had Glazers out in the past when we've had bad transfer windows and stuff like that, and we'll win a few games and everyone will just forget about it. But everyone, yeah. not just United fans, Arsenal fans, anyone that's unhappy with their situation needs to keep relaying the message. I'll, this protest was never going to make the Glazers sell on the spot. But what oh, it might do is make them reason with the fans a little bit more. I saw that the uh, Manchester United Sports Trust power a really good letter to Joel Glazer. I don't know if he'll actually read that or not. Probably not. But the points that were made in there were so doable that if they had a little bit of communication with the fans and the club, that we could be just run so much better. Like, But whether that actually has an impact or not, I don't know. But the message needs to be relayed. And of course, they'd have known about it. I'm not sure if I highly doubt they'll actually come out and address the fans. But I think they've done it two or three times in about 16 years. But yeah, the message just needs to keep being uh, being relayed. It can't be forgotten. And hopefully one day there will be some change in how football clubs are run because it seems to already be slipping under the radar a little bit. Like if that protest hadn't have happened, like there'd have been no talk about this thing that nearly broke football like two or three weeks ago. But yeah, the message just got to keep being um, relayed. But yeah, before we uh, move on, Malik, have you got anything to add on this? Any opinions or anything on the protests? Yeah. Yeah, I'd just like to say that um, personally, um, like I agreed with the protest, but um, I had slight issues with um, the message um, because a lot of people just tried to make it a very uh, general message about um, the Super League. And to be honest, while Super League did play a part, I think um, most of it was just frustration against the Glazers of the past 15 or so years. And I think that's the, um, the the true message is just that United fans finally standing up against the Glazers. I think the Super League just sort of fueled the fire again, didn't it, really? Because obviously we had protests when they first bought the club in 2005. We had the big old Trafford protests against AC Milan in 2010. And then we sort of had little murmurs and stuff a couple of years ago. But yeah, that sort of just refueled the message and got it across in better sort of better sort of way that actually got some attention to it because as much as we've done social media campaigns and stuff like that it's never going to put across a message like that like that did and I think breaking into the stadium as long as people weren't like fighting with policemen and fighting with each other and stuff like that like I said it didn't really do any harm did it they just walked around the pitch stole a corner flag but it gets the message across doesn't it so yeah it was interesting to touch on that to be fair I just wanted to mention it but I do actually want to talk about some football in this episode so we'll get onto this now and we'll talk about the race for top four which is nearly the only thing that's left in the Premier League this season and Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham and Spurs all did play this weekend Leicester dropping points but Chelsea, West Ham and Spurs all winning so um I'll come to you first, Matt. We talk about this every single week, pretty much the top four race, and there's always twists and turns and people picking up form, people going out of form. But just quickly on Leicester to start with, obviously we said last time that they were in a great position to get it, but the result against Southampton was really disappointing considering Southampton were down to 10 men for a lot of the game. But do you think it's going to be a, really a setback or do you think they'll still be all right? Um, I think if they get top four, they only have Kelechi and Acho to thank. I've thought they're going to bottle it this whole year. They just... I just got. I'm just too scarred from that last year from a Leicester perspective. Like they were, they were so far clear of you know top four, and what like top three the whole year, the whole season basically, and then ended up not getting top four. That was embarrassing. But I don't know. Leicester is such a weird team. It just looks like they're trying not to get top four. Like that draw against you know on in an on form table. I think it's like one of the worst teams in the league right now. Um, they still got Man United, Chelsea, and Spurs to play. Well, they could win them. Don't get me wrong, but like that's that's tough games to have, you know, when you're in this top four battle. And what, who, who's like two? I think a team's like three, two, three points behind them, aren't they? Or very close to them at least. What was that? Sorry, who's in third place? Uh, fourth place. Le- Le- uh, Chelsea are two points behind Leicester. West Ham are two points. Leicester, yeah, five points behind Leicester. That's not. 
two points, even five points. They got, as I say, you know, the three big teams uh, to play three top six teams in the last three games. Like that's a make or break for them. I think. I think they got like Villa next or someone. Not Villa, maybe. I can't remember who it is, but I think it's I think Newcastle. That's another, and then they go Newcastle. into the last three games against the three teams you mentioned. See, I could see Newcastle pulling something off the bag against them. They were shocking against us, but they need one win in their fully secured safety. So I, it just wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Leicester mess up that game as well. But I don't know, I just, I'm just not fond of Leicester because of how poorly, you know, I guess last season and how it just feels like they're trying to mess up. Like, but I mean, in general, like Ian Atro, as I say, he's been like their saviour. Like against Crystal Palace, they easily could have dropped points, but Ian Atro clutched up for them and got them two goals or one goal, I can't remember, but he was unbelievable for them. And, and yeah, he's been a real breath of fresh air and will be the reason if they do get top four. Well, he did put in a brilliant cross for Johnny Evans's header in this game. I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, it was a great cross on a plate. But disappointing result, but I still do think they'll um, they'll limp over the line. What do you guys think, uh, Lenny? What do you Before we talk about anyone else, I'll just ask you straight up, what's your prediction for the top four from now? Um, I think it would be, obviously, City, United, Chelsea and West Ham. I think Leicester would drop out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they were. I think they were, what, they're five points behind West Ham, and they've five got a six, clear with four games five to go. Clear, yeah. They've yeah. got a, they've got a six point swing that could that they could lose out on six points because they've got us and Spurs, mm. and they've got Chelsea. Yeah, that's right. So if they so got, if they don't beat Newcastle, they they are yeah, going to be big big trouble. That's a massive. Their, game their remaining that. four games are are Newcastle, us. Then they've got the um, the cup final, so they could rest players for. The United game, you never know. They got the cup final three years later. Then they've got Chelsea and Spurs. So they might own, they they literally could only have one more win to the, to the end of the season. While West Ham have got Everton, Brighton, West Brom, Southampton. So I, I can see them slipping out. I mean, they did it last season. They slipped out last season um, with losing to us. And Chelsea, um, I think Chelsea beat, I think it was West Brom, I think, I believe, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I can, I can I can see him slipping out easily. I mean, Spurs Spurs are quite dark horses to get top four. I think I believe. I think I, I'm not sure if they will lose a game to the end of the season, but um, I, I think it's on West Ham's to lose. To be fair, they they really should win out. But again, you know, it's West Ham. You never know. Can they can they keep up their form? Can they keep scraping scraping wins like they did last game? They weren't the best against Burnley, but they held on. Two goals in the um, in, in the 21st and 29th minute held on to the 2-1 win. they got some big games coming up. So I do, I do think West Ham will get top four. But yeah, that's, that's, I think it's really down to them, to be fair. They win out, I think they'll get there. Yeah, it's interesting uh, points you made there on uh, Leicester, West Ham, etc. But when we, we'll talk about those other teams in more detail in a minute. But Malik, I'll ask you the same question then. Who do you think is going to finish third and fourth and get top four from this point? Um, I think it's going to be um, Leicester and West Ham because I don't really fancy Chelsea's chances with um, with City, and I think they've got um, is it Aston Villa at the end of the season, which is another tough team to play, especially because they might be fighting for Europe. And Chelsea's um, running is actually very difficult. People yeah. are that sort of slipping under the radar a little bit because of their Champions League sort of outings. But to close out the season, they've got um, City away, Arsenal at home. Leicester at home and Villa away. So yeah, that's an interesting point you made there. You what you think they'll slip out there? Um, yeah, I think Chelsea will slip out, and I don't think it will be a discredit to Tuchel or anything. It's just that these games are really tough. And um, I mean, they were a long way off when he took over, weren't they? So I mean, he's done yeah. well to get them in the position that they are in. So what do you say, West? Do you think West Ham will get it over them? Yeah, I think West Ham will get it, and I don't think Leicester are really going to slip out. I think they can scrape a result against Tottenham. Um, and I think they'll get a result against Newcastle, hopefully. No, that's fair. But um, just quickly on Charlton then, this weekend, they they did get a good win considering they rotated a lot of players against uh, Fulham who are still scrapping for to stay up. But Havertz with another two goals. I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether he starts against uh, Madrid now. But yeah, that was a much-needed win for them, especially in between the, the Madrid ties because it's interesting to not lose focus on the league. So... Um, Go on then, Matt. I'll have, I'll have you as well then. Who do you think from now? Um, I was going to say uh, West Ham and Chelsea, but 
the the point Malik made is very interesting about Chelsea's FIFA list. So I'm slightly have a feeling. I mean, I don't know. I'm torn between whether I'd even say Liverpool or Leicester at that point as well. Um, what, what's Liverpool's fixture list looking like? Liverpool's is decent. I know they put United, but who else? Uh, Southampton, West Brom, Burnley, and Palace. I'm interested that neither of you two uh, mentioned Liverpool. I should completely forgotten them. Yeah. I'd expect them to win pretty much every game. I think they're also real. I genuinely think. I think West Ham. You know, now they got Mikel Antonio. You saw the importance of him yesterday. Um, you know, Lingard went through, I don't want to say a purple patch, I don't want to completely discredit him, but he did go through a great patch of form, which wasn't ever really sustainable. Um, but against the teams like Burnley, he's not always so efficient unless if, you know, he's scoring crazy goals. So having someone like Mikel Antonio back, who I believe is the hardest, one of the hardest players a defender can face, you know, the physical battle, his movement's very good. He's just an absolute pest to play, really. Um, and, you know, the two goals yesterday highlighted that, and Ben Rama as well was brilliant yesterday, which is pretty important for them, you know, if they want to get form to have all their players um, on fire, really. But, yeah, I don't know. I think I think I will definitely go for West Ham here. As you say, their fixture is just unbelievably favourable, and Antonio coming back, all they've got left to come back is Declan Rice, and I was a big fan to see Moyes, you know. He's always known for more of a pragmatic coach more than anything, but playing, what, four nails and through checking a pivot? Very interesting to see, you know. He experimented and went for the case of it's Burnley, we're going to dominate them, we're going to have the chances, we've just got to take the chances and not outscore them in an essence, but, you know, just be clinical really and just dominate the game. So I respect that and I think West Ham will get it really and they've shown, you know, a lot of consistency even without Antonio and Rice. So, yeah, only the odd result is changed that so I'll have to go for them Chelsea the fixture list is very interesting to to really say and Liverpool is very favourable so I'm going to have to say Liverpool West Ham but I'm very torn between Chelsea I think our, our answers change every week on this don't they everything just seems to change <laughs> over time but it is pretty much the only thing to play for at the moment and it should be an interesting exciting end of the season just quickly before we move on then do you think Spurs have a chance? And I think Lenny said they have an outside chance. I think if you're if you're including Liverpool in this debate, you've got to include Spurs as well because they are now above Liverpool. Liverpool have got a game in hand, but it is against United, which is a tough game. So you've got to you've got to count them. I don't think. I mean, when you're not it, playing, but... when you don't have Mourinho anymore, and you've got Kane and Son in your team, you've got every chance. To be honest, um, you know, Spurs are definitely a dark horse for it, but I think they will fall short, fall short for sure. I reckon they've got to win every game, if not win three, draw one, to be honest, to get in. Who have they got? Uh, Leeds, Wolves, Villa and Leicester. Ooh. I mean, so it's, it's not easy games at all. It is, every game is a bit of a grind, but I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, really. I feel, yeah, I feel like they'll have to be nearly flawless from now to to get it. For, for, for me, I'm still going to stick with the two teams that are in there now, Leicester and Chelsea. I just think they've got too much you know, quality in there. Well, Leicester... They've got quality, but you know they've got the gap, haven't they? And Chelsea, I think, will just have enough to pull away, and that'll be a massively successful season for them. Chelsea so far are in brilliant the as well. I think it is also important to note that they had Champions League back-to-back, yet they still managed to get the win on the weekend as well against Fulham. I know they're not the best team in the world, Fulham, but they are a tough game to play, you know, a deep block or whatever. It can be quite draining to play after travelling to Spain. Um, so, you know, fair play to Chelsea for that. But, you know, the fixtures they do have left... It's just so decisive, really, and tell all the story. Well, we'll keep touching on that every single week as it comes to the end of the season, but we'll move away from the Premier League now and talk about Serie A, where the first title race of the season has been officially decided. Inter Milan have won the title. Very impressive from them, to be fair. They got it because Atalanta dropped points, I believe, yeah. So, um, Inter Milan, you know, fair play. I don't know how many people saw this coming. Obviously, led by Romelu Lukaku, Latura Martinez, etc. Antonio Conte. You know, congratulations to them. What do you, uh, what do you think? Like, do you think they're going to win the title again next season? To go with that, or do you think like this might be a one-off thing, or do you think they can keep it up for like a considerable amount of time? I mean, with Conte, his success is often, you know, it has a lot of uh, disadvantages in the future, which you tell. But it's short-term you know, success for long-term pain, more or less. You know, his recruitment isn't particularly favourable for the next manager, you know, having plays like Victor Moses or whatever on your books. Young, who could be moving back to Watford as well. But, I mean, 
in hindsight, we probably should have seen it coming because of how successful a manager Conte is and how effective he is at what he does. And, you know, he's got the exact players he needs for, you know, like Ashraf Hakimi, Krizic, for example, and that wing-back, Barella, Brozovic, very dominant. Obviously, that strike force, very solid defence, including young Bastoni. So, I mean, they've got a brilliant team and there's no reason they can't replicate it next season. But it's just whether, um, you know, Conte can stay consistent, really, and how long he's at uh, Interfall, because usually he's more of a short-term solution. But yeah. Well, he wasn't even supposed to stay, was he? Like, he was so close to leaving at the uh, end of last season. But I think Champions League as well, but I just want to quickly know. They didn't get Champions League, they didn't get Europa League. They came fourth in the group, I think. Yeah. So, I think that's quite yeah. important for them. They haven't had to worry about Champions League, you know, two tie games often. So, yeah, it's benefited uh, a lot, I think. It's another um, example of what we mentioned last episode, that teams that go out of Europe early or aren't in Europe at all can seriously sustain a really good title charge. But obviously, not been too much competition in Serie A this season. A lot of the teams have struggled a lot, but fair play to them. You can't take anything away from them for completely, you know, taking advantage of it and storming to the title, really. Two losses all season. Very, very impressive. Like you said, it'd be interesting to see if he can sustain it, but... Just quickly, we'll touch on the top four, uh, which again in uh, Italy is massively heating up. You've got uh, four teams separated by two points and you could probably even include Lazio on that now who have a game in hand that if they win that, they can go within two points of the top four. And obviously we keep mentioning this, but one of the sort of big five, Napoli, Atalanta, Juventus, Milan, obviously Inter will get it, but one of them is going to miss out. And especially if it's Juventus or AC Milan, it'd be extremely interesting. So um, I'll ask you, Matt, what do you think? That who do you think is going to miss out? Uh, I'm saying either Juve or AC Milan, but I'll probably go for Juve because I still think AC Milan are good. Just injuries have cost them a lot, but I think Juve just they've just been too inconsistent. They're not really proven, you know, any reason why they're a solid team this season, and any reason why they will, you know, or why they deserve to be properly and top four. So yeah, I don't know. I haven't I haven't followed Serie A too much as I have in other years. Um, I don't think it's been as good as I'll like competitive wise, but it's great to see obviously Inter a different different Serie A winner. But I don't know, I just, I just don't think Juve, Juve are particularly good. Too many players on super high wages and quite a few players who are top players but underperforming, like Dybala. So yeah, well, they got away with Roman yesterday, didn't they? Against Udinese, Ronaldo brace late on, got them the win. But next Milan, so that'll be a massive, massive game for. The race for top four, which just you know, it, um, Napoli it highlights both well, clubs' declines. To be fair, that that game is now a top four sort of decider. But yeah, Napoli dropped points yesterday, so they sort of missed a chance to close the gap. So they fell off a little bit, but they're definitely sort of still in it. So we haven't really spoke about Syria that much recently, just because it's been so one-sided. one-sided. Top, but yeah, that'd be an interesting one to uh, to keep an eye on. But we'll move on now to our favourite European league on the show, which is Ligue 1, which again provided lots of entertainment and interesting games over the weekend. And you could argue that it's gone from a four-horse race now to a two-horse race, really, after sort of Monaco and Leon game of the weekend went in favour of Leon, even though uh, they went down to 10 men, which was an incredibly interesting game. I know you uh, you watched this one, um, Matt. Lots of red cards at the end, weren't there, after a massive fight at the end. But it's going to be massively costly for Monaco, that, isn't it, really? Um, I mean... Would you account like you know it as just a two-horse race now? Because you wouldn't expect PSG or Lille to really mess up. But if both of them draw one week, for example, obviously hypothetical, you know, Monaco have been on unbelievable form. Um, so it's that one game which is a big setback for them. But I don't think they're fully out of it yet. Um, but I think I think there were quite a few periods in that game really. Like Monaco looked completely at it. And then after the goal, um, they were still all right. But then Leon, you know, they look very good. Kakare red card was pretty decisive, pretty stupid. But he's a young man, you know, he's a top midfielder. He'll learn from that for, for sure. And then I'm not really sure how Lopez stayed on the pitch either. Um, wait, was it even, It was a penalty, wasn't it? But it was only a yellow for Lopez, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's, for the uh, for the equaliser. I don't know how that works. I don't know what your opinion on that is. But who who did get sent off in the end? And Chucky as well. What a young player, man. Who well, did get in sent the, off? Um, obviously, it was Kakare in the normal game. And then at the end, 
Decilio, Marcelo, Goebbels and Pellegrini all got sent off in like a massive <laughs> brawl at the end. Oh, five reds. Oh, Not the first time that's happened in a, in Liga. to be fair. I'll always remember that PSU against Marseille game that <laughs> sticks out. But it's so disappointing for Monaco, who got themselves in such a good position to throw it away like that, especially after getting the equaliser after playing against 10 men and then conceding a very late goal again. Like I said, Cherokee, fantastic young talent, getting a massive, massive goal for Lyon. But, um, yeah, they're, they're sort of out of it, you'd say. The result last week against Lille was crucial to them. And Monaco, they're going to do well to claw it back from here, to be fair. So, might be a two-horse race. And, you know, PSG and Lille both won this weekend. So, Lille plough on, which is what we love to see. Three games to go. Do you still sticking with Lille, Matt? Um, I'm going to have to, yeah. Yeah? But I still... Yeah, I can't remember who they played on the weekend. Who was it again? Nice. Nice, that's the, Yeah, I watched it. Um, I think they're comfortable enough. Like, I don't know. PSG, I think, you know, obviously, all, all eyes will be on Champions League with City. Um, who did PSG play again? I watched both. I can't uh, Lens, Lens. That was it, yeah. I think they scored a disallowed goal like, late on. But I don't know. PSG, um, if Mbappe is. Up, I'm, I'm sure they'll prioritise him for Champions League, but that could hurt him in the future for how fit he is in, you know, future games. So, I don't know. I could just see Lille, you know, just edging the league, really. I mean, I haven't gone with PSG at all. Um, but, I mean, they played well against Lawrence. What was it, 2-1 in the end, I think? Well, the PSG game? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. They went 2-0 yeah. up and then uh, Lawrence got back straight away, but they held out in the end which is massive for them. Yeah, they would have dropped points this weekend. Then it is looking pretty bleak for them. Yeah, exactly that. Um, also, as well, that Lille game, I just Googled it. I just couldn't remember what, you know, I watched it, but I just couldn't remember. But, yeah, Yilmaz, of course, got another goal as well, which Bags, is, is pretty crazy. Slowing down, 35. which is mental for someone of his age. 35, you know, still kicking on, still unbelievable. But I think, yeah, Lille had pretty much full control in that game and that seller goal was absolutely brilliant as well that volley just had to refresh my memory he does chip in a fair bit doesn't he he has this season with a couple of goals especially in recent weeks yeah I'll ask the other guys and I don't know how much attention you've been paying to Liga in this season but there's one point between the two which way do you think it's going to go do you think PSG are going to slip up or do you think do you think they'll uh, come through and nick it from the end um I think it all depends on this um, this lens game that Lille have coming up. They're, they're the best team that they've currently got to play. They've got Senetien and then Angers. I think if they if they win that, I think they'll win the league. I just feel like that 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 Lyon game. I just, I just feel like it's written for them to win. To be fair, two 0 down against Lyon, solid team. Um, Yilmaz scores just before half time. Then I'm pretty sure Jonathan David scored yeah. just after half time. And then it was like an 86-minute winner by Yilmaz. Again, yeah, that's right. 35. Yeah. Coming from... What do you play for? Galatasaray? Besiktas. Besiktas, something like Yeah, something like that. And just, he's, he's been un- un- unbelievable for them, really. Um, Great underrated goal scorer from over the years. He's never really played in a top, top league. But wherever he's been, he's banged them in, to be fair to him. And be lovely for him to especially to get his hands on a league title who would dominate I'll so tell you who could have a similar impression to that just a really random thought El Arabi he's also what like 34 35 he's an absolute bagsman he'd do unreal the um, Olympiacos guy yeah we, we, we learned that one the, the hard yeah. way but yeah. he is a absolute bagsman you know so many I think like top scorer still I know it's in Greece but he's been yeah. brilliant for Olympiacos so I mean it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if a good team went in for him, I think that'd be a great move for him. Very off-topic, but... Right, yeah, it just shows that uh, the strikers can come over to a big league and do well, and I'm pleased for him. Because, like, his brace against uh, Leon, we spoke about it more the last episode, but it was <laughs> amazing. But, yeah, as always, we'll keep you guys up to date with uh, Liga and how the season pans out. And the other league that we've been massively focusing on in recent weeks because of how exciting the tart race is took lots of twists and turns, as we expected this weekend. La Liga. So, Atletico Madrid won. Real Madrid won, Barcelona won, Sevilla lost. So Sevilla was sort of creeping up into the tart race a little bit, but might have fell off a little bit after that um, after that loss. And it was looking quite bleak for Barca when they went 1-0 down, but 
as they have done in recent weeks, they recovered and they recovered from that Granada result to probably still be favourites for the title, in my opinion. But Atletico Madrid, as much as we've slandered them on here, they keep keep uh, mowing on. They got an important 1-0 win against Alche in typical Atletico Madrid fashion. But um, I'll come to you then, Matt, straight away. What do you, what you think on this one this week? Is your, uh, your stance changed or are you still sticking with Barca? I'm sticking with Barca, but, um, you know, they made, they nearly made things hard for themselves again. Um, I know Sevilla as well. That's huge. Result. I think it's just how Sevilla retaliate uh, from that game. You know, if they can win basically all their games left, including Real Madrid, which will be absolutely massive as well. When is that? Is that next week or the week after? I think it's fairly soon. I'm not sure how soon, but yeah, that will be a massive. I believe it is actually the next game this weekend. Next game, mad. Well, if they can retaliate and win that, they're way still in the tie race. Because Barca are out of Champions League, you know, they haven't got anything to play for in that regard. So they haven't got to worry about, you know, travelling to various European countries, you know, maybe picking up any injuries or whatever, which Real Madrid have done. So, you know, Carvajal played against Chelsea, a key player, and he got injured. So, you know, um, that could be important. And Real Madrid, you know, their Champions League could affect how well they do in the league and their injuries is unbelievable. So I think Sevilla still have a chance, but I'm still definitely going to side with Barca, but that Barca-Atletico game will be absolutely right. It's not only Barca-Atletico this weekend, it's Sevilla against Real Madrid, so we'll definitely what have... Time? Are they different uh, times? So, Real Madrid-Sevilla is 8 o'clock on Sunday and then um, Atletico-Barca is 3 o'clock on Saturday. Oh, so really after close. those games, we should have a little bit more of a picture on who's going to go on to take the title, but it is, continues to be a very exciting league. What do you think on this one, uh, Lenny? What have you done? Again, I don't know how much you've been following La Liga, but who do you reckon is going to take the title? Yeah, I watched the um, the Barca Valencia game at the thing at the weekend. Amazing yeah. goal by um, Carlos Soler. But yeah, um, I, th- I think I think Barca are going to win the title. To be honest, I think they'll again the game against Flecken Madrid. If they lose that, then. I mean, it's it's in a flat on Madrid's hands to bottle it. But this season, I mean, weren't they weren't they about like twelve points? I mean, I know they yeah. they had like two games in hand as well. I don't know how they don't know how they thrown it away. But again, <laughs> another game down to another uh, another league down to a single game. I believe. I think I, if if that game's a draw, then I I put it in Barca's hands. But if they don't win, then I think it's a flag Madrid's to lose. But I do I do think Barca will win. I think what about Messi Madrid? Wins. Should they Madrid have a shot or? No, of course, of course they do. They've been they're unbeaten in the last what? I feel like they've been beaten in the last fifteen or something like that. But um, I feel like they'll beat Chelsea um, tomorrow, and then they'll somewhat more focus on 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 the on the, champ- on the Champions League. But again, they've also got some tough games coming up. They've got you got your Seville, um, Granada. I know Granada's not the best of teams, but didn't I'm sure they didn't they beat Barca a couple of weeks ago? Like last week or two they weeks. They beat ago. Barca on Thursday, I think it was. Yeah, they beat Barca. Huge game, one nil. I think that's what they nearly. That was a huge game as well in the complexion of the title race. Yeah, because if Barca won that, they're, they're top of the league now by one point. So I do. Think How many Barca are they behind now? The league, though. Uh, they're two points behind Atletico. Two points, sorry. But it's interesting yeah, so because... So much comes down on that game at the weekend. This league is... I'm not sure if it's just this league, but it's not Goldens, is it? It's um, head-to-head, right? I believe you're right, actually. Which so, is... Real Madrid are technically second now because they beat Barca and... Did they win both of Clasicos this year? Yeah, I think they did. Um, so, yeah, they, yeah, they're, yeah. they're technically second now, even though Barca have a 13-plus goal difference. If, if Real Madrid do win out, I don't think Barca can win the league. No, they can't. No, no, you're right. Yeah. Which is a crazy concept. So, it'll be, I don't know if it's yeah. ever gone down to head-to-head. But it'd be interesting sure to, to see, um, see if it be does. Very interesting. Uh, Malik, I'll bring you in now on La Liga. Uh, you're going to disagree with us, or do you think Barca will uh, go on to win it? Um, I'd like Barca to win it, to be honest. But um, I think Real Madrid uh, are going to win it. I think Barca are going to beat Letica. And then um, if Real Madrid beats Sevilla, I think it's just theirs to lose. Yeah. Because, um, Letico, I don't think are the best of teams. I think their form's been terrible in the past. Um, few weeks they've sort of railed off like they've gone off the rails towards the end of the season and um, I think it's kind of indicative of the quality of the team because um, at the beginning of the season when they were flying there are a lot of games where they were just scraping by and yeah. I don't know if the average Premier League watcher um, would know about like how Letico sort of um, 
been this season and how they've been um, a rather lukewarm team. They haven't been exactly fantastic. They haven't been smashing in every game, but they've just been getting enough points to stay at the top. I think now, I think think they're sort of just um, clinging on. I don't think they're going to win the title. Um, I think that 10-point gap as well probably brought a bit of a false image as well because I think they start off the season really well and they actually mm-hmm. played a more offensive style but as you say in recent weeks their form's been really, really poor. Yeah. I think the only thing that's given them a chance is the fact they've rallied a fair bit in the last couple of weeks. They have picked up a little bit of form again. So it's certainly interesting. I think people are sleeping on Real Madrid quite a lot because like Lenny said, they are unbeaten in, I'm not sure what the exact number is, but a long, long time. And when you're in that good of form, but again, a lot of it, if they if they get knocked out uh, tomorrow, like it might help them in the long run. Like we've said, they can just fully focus on the league and maybe see it out. But we should have enough time to speak about that briefly in a minute. But um, yeah, so that's certainly another one to keep an eye on and um, see which way it goes. It's so intriguing, and especially this weekend, these two games are going to be absolutely massive. It's like the old days when the top four used to each other in the prem in the same weekend. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. It's so hard to call, but we will just quickly before we wrap up touch on the Champions League. We're recording this on Tuesday, so tonight is PSG against City in the second leg, and then tomorrow we've got Real Madrid against Chelsea in the second leg, and then on Thursday we've obviously got the two Europa League ties to be wrapped up, and there's so much to play for, especially in the Champions League. So I'll just come to everyone now quickly and just see where we think it's going to go. So I'll come to you first, Matt, on the, well, you can say both ties, on the PSG City and the Real Madrid-Chelsea. Where do you think it's going to go? Uh, I think City will be too strong for PSG. I just can't see them being, them. you know, like... At home as well, regardless of, you know, by a margin um, or high-scoring game, I guess. Um, I think City will just know, you know, they, they'll they play their normal style. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued, to be fair, because first game, I think, they play very passive against them. So I wonder if they'll take the same approach, knowing that one goal, you know, on the counter is very viable. Um, but away goal is also, you know, a factor as well. But two away goals in Paris was huge for them. Um, so I'm going to have to fancy City. I just can't see PSG turning around, especially if Mbappe is not fully fit. Even if he actually plays, he's not. You know, we saw last time he wasn't so effective, you know, carrying that injury. Um, if Neymar's effective, then they got a chance. But we'll have to see with that one. And Chelsea, Real, I'm going to have to stick with Real. Cause I, just, I think they messed up tactically first game. I think not having players like Mendy and Ramos was key. But I know Varane's out and Carvajal's out, but... They'll have Ramos and Militao, who's been there, you know, I mean, Militao's been brilliant recently. Ramos, obviously, has been their, their man for however long. So, and I think they'll go back to a 4 3 3, as predicted. So, I think they'll have far more runners and creativity, far more control over the game. And I think all they need is one early goal, and then things will get very tough for Chelsea. But there is, there, um, you know, how often they concede and stuff is very impressive for Chelsea. And even that first game, Real Madrid struggled. It was just a moment of brilliance which got them a goal. So it's hard to write off Chelsea as well, but I'll have to stick with Real Madrid. No, that's fair enough. I've just seen that Mbappe is going to start on the bench tonight. That's probably better because I think, as I say, like you saw him last week, people slander him or say whatever you want about him. But when a player is not fully fit, you know, you get a different type of player to what you're expecting. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how reliable that is, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, whether he starts or is on the bench. It's a be disappointing if he's on the bench, but I suppose, like you said, he will still have an impact off the bench, and if he's not fully fit, he might be ineffective. But um, Lenny, I'll come to you then next. What do you think of the two ties? Where do you think they're going to go? Um, I think I think it'll be a draw tonight. I think it'll be two-two, but City go through because they'll they'll be four-three on off Megra. Um, obviously not not start having Mbappe starting is huge, but I feel like it could benefit them in in the terms of they could actually try to build up against City. The the previous game it felt like they just as soon as they got the ball they just tried to force it to Mbappe, force it to Neymar, force it, force it, force it. And I feel like sometimes against City you you can't just force stuff. You have to you have to be clinical. They 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 had a few chances in the first game they could have finished. Neymar's finishing has been nothing short of appalling the last 12 months in the Champions League. So I feel like if the, who's he going to play with Mbappe with? Maybe they go with um, Draxler, maybe. I don't know. Cardi, probably. If, if, if Keane is, is fit. Do you I think, think they could go for 
I think he is. Do you think they'll go for a more direct approach? You know, play like Di Maria right, Neymar left, or maybe as a ten, and then have Moise Kane. You know, play more direct, try win Flickons and try here at City on the counter. Not hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't know why he didn't start the first leg. To be fair, I thought he was great in the Champions League last year. I don't know if he got injured or if he's if Poch is not a big fan of him or I'm not sure. But I don't think to be fair, I don't I don't know if he should have started first leg. I think he offers something different off the bench and stuff. But I think the whole point of like what Poch wants to do is put as many runners in the midfield and Paredes yeah. as well. Obviously, he's a workhorse, but he's a brilliant all-round player. You know, playing through the press and stuff. Yeah, like and then you have far. all the creativity and goal. You know, attacking firepower and Di Maria, and Neymar, and Mbappe. So I think yeah. the tactic was fairly okay. You know, uh, yeah. In the Chelsea That's game, just so much um, no, to play for. Go on, go ahead. Yeah, the Chelsea game. I just, I just feel like the Real Madrid have the the Champions League experience to close games out. I feel like, I mean, yeah, Chelsea. I think if it was the other way around in the first leg, if, if Real Madrid went 1-0 up ahead, I, I don't think they draw that game. I know they're at home, so if they went 1-0 up, it would have been a much more, you know, would have been better for them than going down. But I just thought they had the Champions League pedigree. They had the experience. With Ramos coming back now, I'm pretty sure Mendy's back. I know Varane's not playing for Yeah, he's in the squad. Tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, just, start, I just feel like, I feel like they, they just got it to, to see the game through. I think they were, I think maybe 2-0. I know Chelsea's defence is brilliant, but I just feel like they have to they have the experience to see games out in, the, in in big games in Champions League that Chelsea haven't had for a long while, to be fair. No, that's completely fair. I'll, um, before I give my view, then I'll come to you, uh, Malik. What do you think about the two ties? I think that um, I think City will will win. I hope City win. Um, I think City are just a much better team than PSG. I think that they've got a better they've got a better manager. They play better football. Um, I think. Over the past few years, it's um, it's been quite unfortunate for City, in in terms of the, um, of the football they've played. They've usually played better football than the opponents that they've played, and they just keep going out to silly mistakes or um, just weird moments, or even you can even blame the referees to be honest uh, on occasion. And um, I think now, finally, I think City win this game. I think they go on to win the Champions League. Yeah, I think um, I'll be doing that one, unfortunately. And um, Chelsea Real, I think, I think che- I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea play better football than Real, but Real just managed to win it because they've got a better defense, they've got um, the experience, as Lenny said, and um, most of the time in these Champions League games, it comes out to um, um, who's got the luck of the day, and I think um, Real Madrid. You've seen over the past ten years now. Uh, I don't think we've seen a team with better luck in terms of this competition. So, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Real win. No, that's fair. I think just firstly on the PSG City game, I think it would take an almighty clash from from City to lose it from here. But from PSG's point of view, I think you just got to try and stay in the game until Mbappe comes on, really, and then a fresh Mbappe, you never know what uh, what he's going to do. But yeah, I think it would take a hell of a collapse for City to let it slip from here. And then, well, with Chelsea, Real Madrid, I'm quite torn on this one, but I think Madrid are going to wedge it. A lot just down to experience and the fact that they played so poorly in the first leg and, like we said, tactically got it spot off and to still be in the game, I mean, they're still in a very good position. And if they score early and then they score again, like Chelsea have got a massive mountain to climb because they'll have to win the game then. If, like Madrid, if Madrid get their two away goals, I think they'll be all right. Because then I mean, Chelsea actually have to win the game. And I don't know how many times they've scored three goals under Thomas Tuchel. It can't be many. But then again, if Chelsea don't concede, they don't they don't go out. And they've been so solid defensively this season under Thomas Tuchel. So it means you can see which one that goes. But for me, I'm going to say City and Real Madrid to go through and City to win the final, unfortunately. But yeah, we'll just quickly, before we wrap up, touch on the Europa League. I don't think there's really... Mm, much point talking about United's game because if we bottle that, I won't be coming on this podcast again. But um, we'll uh, we'll just go for the Arsenal game then. Matt, I'll come to you first. We spoke about this briefly last time, but do you reckon you're going to overturn it? How are you feeling? A bit more nervous now? Uh, after the game, I was thinking all my confidence was gone, and I was thinking, like, as you heard, you know, I was very pessimistic for the second game. I was thinking, you know, we're 
always screwed basically but I'm a lot more confident now funny enough <laughs> how that one turns out we'll see but I don't know I, I don't I don't rate Emery at all as a manager uh, I think taking off their striker as well for a midfielder was pretty daft considering the control they had in the game they should have finished us off it should have been three or four nil to be honest and then there would be no you know we, we did a miracle to come back but only 2-1 it wasn't a good result and it still isn't a good result but it's very easy to turn around um we always seem to clutch up in the second leg. We always seem to play far better when we have a reason to, um, you know, flood them with runners, get the control of the game of Jacques and Party, hopefully in the middle, maybe Saka is the left back. Having, oh, I would have said having Luis back would be so huge, but I don't know if he's going to be back. Lacazette and Tierney are back in training, which is huge, but whether they play, I don't know. But yeah, I, I think we just have too much for them and only a one goal deficit considering how poorly we played, you know, that first game. I think we should be okay, you know, just dominate the game, take our chances, and yeah, we should be all right. The, the away goal now, somehow getting back into it, even though you had 10 men, it looks massive now, doesn't it? Like, it was so crucial just to get out of there with a decent result considering how poorly you played. And a 2 0 lead and a 2 1 lead is massive difference. Like, I know it goes without saying, but with the away goal as well, massively uh, helped you a lot. So, um, yes, it'd be interesting. I'll have half an eye on that for sure with our game pretty much wrapped up. But I'll come to you, uh, Lenny, on the Arsenal tie, obviously. I don't know, I'll ask you first, who would you prefer to face? Would you rather Arsenal go through for the big blockbuster final or would you rather have the um, arguably easier tie? No, I can't. I couldn't hack losing to Arsenal in a, in a final, so I'll take Villarreal, to be fair. But um, regarding that game, yeah, I think Arsenal will go through. I think, obviously, I was watching our game, so I couldn't really watch it, but seeing them throw 2 down and then get a man sent off into Bayos, I thought, oh, yeah, they're out. Like, cause they, I thought they were going to power more 3-4-0. And it probably should have been if... Um, I don't know how many chances they had after that, if they missed big chances. I guess Matt could say that. But, they did. Um, Quite yeah. a lot of chances. Also, oh, surprise, yeah. <laughs> as you say, that is massive. Yeah, it, but when, as soon as they got that goal back, I thought, yeah. And it stayed the way it did. I was like, yeah, Arsenal will go through. I mean, By the yeah, way, don't I get don't it twisted. When it. I say it's massive, I mean, it's a positive for us, not a negative. But not yeah, a yeah, player. Yeah. To be honest, his little fidget spinner just spins around the way he does. But um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've seen a lot of like going on to United. United fans saying, "Oh, I don't really want to play Emery in the final." But uh, I I don't really think it's him. I feel like it's it's more of a Seville thing with the, with that competition. Yeah. Because um, who did who was he with last year? Arsenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, Arsenal. Lost I mean, Arsenal. Arsenal okay. he, he, yeah, with Arsenal lost. Um. Yeah, I feel like it's more of a Seville thing with that competition than, than Emery himself. Obviously, you have to be a good manager to win a European competition, but I feel like it was just it's just Seville, man. That the team, the teams they had during that was it. They went three and three, or was it like three and four, or like three and five? I'm I think not it was exactly three and sure. four. But yeah, I feel like they just had that thing with that competition. I just feel like it was them more so than Emery himself. Yeah, I'm with you on that. 100. Give me Villarreal. I couldn't. My Blood pressure couldn't deal with a United after final, <laughs> but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna try and like prepare for it because I do think that's where it's gonna go. But Malik, I'll come to you as well. Um, who would you prefer first of all, and where do you think it's gonna go? Um, I think Arsenal are gonna win. Um, and I say this because I'm under the impression that um, Grant Jacques will be back for the next game. Why back in midfield? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, and um. I don't want to say this, but Granit Xhaka, he's borderline um, a world-class midfielder. Uh, and I feel like him being back will just be a huge positive for Arsenal, especially because um, last game, Danny Spios, um was really wasteful. Um, he wasn't necessarily um, helping with controlling the midfield, especially with Danny Pereira on the other side, who's um, got experience in these type of games. And um, Granit Xhaka being back is obviously a big plus. Um, I think if Arsenal managed to overload the central zones um, with runners, I think that will slow down um, Danny Pereira. And I think um, that will ultimately give them the edge. And I hope Arsenal um, win because uh, I have faith in Oli uh, in the final um, that he'll be able to pull something. Uh, they'll be able to pull something off. I mean, it would be a massive, massive game. I wish I could say the same. I just won't have any confidence of us, so I won't believe it until we see it with us winning a trophy. But um, I just wanted to ask you, Matt, on the whole uh, Xhaka thing that Malik just brought up there. He's such an important player for you lot, but obviously being put forced out to left-back because of 
Kieran Tierney's injury. Would you prefer them to just play Cedric potentially at left back if Tierney's not fit and put Xhaka back into midfield? Um, it's an interesting one. I think we discussed this yesterday on my space and stuff, but I'm very torn really. Um, because on one hand, Xhaka at left back gives us a lot of control, more passing options, allows you know, um, you know, have to have more attacking players in the lineup, I guess. Like we could potentially have Xhaka, you know, because I presume we'll have most of the ball. Either Xhaka plays at left back or he can be in the pivot, you know, have Xhaka and party, but without Xhaka being in the midfield. And then we can play Smith Rowe instead of someone like Ceballos. So he occupies that left hand side. Um, and as you, as um, Malik said, you know, uh, cover the centre with runners, technicians, and stuff. And we should be all right in that regard. So obviously they have that deep block. Uh, which we have struggled to break down at times. But I think we should be okay in that regard. But yeah, on Xhaka himself, I think he's a brilliant midfielder. I think he's unbelievably underrated. Malik said as well, like, I think he won't ever really get the appreciation he deserves because I think he also often gets painted as some sort of devil, especially after he makes, like, any sort of error, which is a bit sad to see, you know, like, Sky Sports and stuff like that have quite a lot of power, you know, and how they dictate viewers into believing certain things, you know, certain players like Harry Maguire and David Luiz into being some sort of fraud after making one mistake. And, you know, that there's some awful players when that's never the case. But, yeah, uh, I think Jack's a great player. I think he's our most important player by far. Whether he plays left-back or DM, I, I think Saka left-back's definitely an option. Tierney, if he's not back, then, as you say, Cedric's an option as well. I'm, I'm very, very torn, but I think Xhaka in midfield could be pretty important, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very torn. Well, you'd like to think as well Arteta would learn from not playing with a striker. I imagine somebody will be oh, able to have like a recognised striker. At least the Banning will play. Hopefully Martinelli does well. He was brilliant against Newcastle, I think. He's yeah. I just feel like with a Banning, obviously he's been on and off this season, but in your biggest game of the season, I feel like you want him on the pitch. And considering Lacazette's no still out, is that right? Is Lacazette still out? Um, I'm not too sure. He's back in training. There's a lot of mind games and stuff. Well, there is actually out we'll after wait to see to the lineup, but I think on Aubameyang as well. I, I was quite happy with him uh, against Newcastle. He's often, you know, made out to be very limited, which often he is, and you know he's declined or recessed, as you can tell. Um, but I think against Newcastle, we made a lot of effort to drop deep, to collect the ball, to link up play. You know, showing traits which he hasn't done so before, and scored a lovely goal as well, which is very important for confidence. So I'm sure he'll definitely start. I've been very contrasting, contrasted really with opinions on him. But at the end of the day, if he's firing, then we got every chance to dispatch Villarreal, really. Just one more question then, just before we wrap up. Who are you going with in goal, if you're our turn? Ryan. Yeah? The only thing which worries me is his height, but I loved Leno. I don't anymore. Like, the guy is just a liability, I'm afraid. Great shot stopper. Even then, he's looked sus recently with, you know, his wrist a bit, a bit weak. Um, but I think it would be best for both parties to move on. I've seen rumours that that will happen, so that would be good, I think. His you know, decline has been mental this season, though, hasn't it? Like, he really was really considered one of the top keepers uh, last season. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, which lineup you go with. There's a lot of sort of dilemmas, and Arteta's got the pep gene a little bit. You can tell with messing up his lineups, you never know what you're going to get. But um, for, for me, I think you will do it. I think a lot of times in Europe over the last few years, you've been down the first leg and then managed to pull it back. So I, I do think you'll be able to do it again just about and set up an absolutely massive final, which as much as I'll be nervous for... Who do you fancy? I know you, this, is, this is the issue me asking this question because it's all United fancy. Ever. I mean, we may as well bring up the proposal for the United-Arsenal final. Are you backing your boys or, or what? Um, you know, we've we've been pretty good last couple of weeks. I'm gonna have to. I, I would back us, especially after getting over the semi-final sort of hurdle, because that's what was worrying me the most, to be honest. The fact that we bottled so many semi-finals, but now that we've sort of got over that mental block that we discussed um, last time, I've got to back us. But you know, I would not be surprised if it was an Arsenal United final and we lost. To be honest, at all. Don't know about you, but I mean. Champions League would be so, so big for us, you know, the signings we can make, the players we could attract, it could really kickstart, you know, us with Arteta, but don't get Champions League and we risk just falling further behind if we don't fully invest, so, yeah. What about you then, uh, Lenny, who are you going to say is going to win the Europa? Um, 
I, I, I'd like to say we. I mean, I, I feel like we will win, but you never know. You, again, it's a final. You never know. It's a one-off game. I feel like every time we've been in good form about to play Arsenal, it happened after the... Um, we beat PSG. We had a Prem game or something like that. And then we, we we battered Leipzig. And then we had Arsenal. And Arsenal were in poor form. And I was like, oh, we're going to batter We're going to batter them. And then... Was it a draw? Or did we lose? No, they lost the season. We lost That's the thing, though, right? Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think it should have been more, to be fair, in, in the end. Yeah, yeah we, were, I, we were very poor that game. I think what you say there is very important as well, because I think Arteta does specialise in, you know, one-off games particularly. Like, I have a lot of faith in him as a coach in general, but I think amongst his weaknesses and stuff, one of his big strengths is, you know, one-off games, as he showed in the yeah, FA Cup. Cup finals, yeah. Really, really good in those sort of games. But the other thing which does worry me is someone like Paul Pogba, you know, you've got you've got the players who could just turn a game on his head, like he single-handedly got you through Milan. So it's yeah. a worrying prospect. I would have much rather to play Arsenal so. earlier on in a two-leg tie. Yeah, yeah that's if you go I out, you go, go out, and if you go through, then you're like, all right, we got rid of a team who are a, a bogey team and have been for a while, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. But we have done, we've beaten Sociedad, we've beaten Milan, we've beaten Granada, we've beaten Roma, like, we've been beating some decent teams on the way, so there's no reason why we can't, it's not like we've had some Mickey Mouse run to the final, but just lastly, uh, Malek, what do you reckon, who's going to take home the Europa? Um, I'd bet everything on United, man. You really that confident? Yeah, I think we're... Um, if we were in the Champions League, I think we'd have good odds to win it. So I think the Europa, we've got this in the bag, man. I wish I had your confidence, but fair enough. I do think um, this sort of style of football does suit us quite a bit, especially with sort of the tactical naivety of some European teams like we've seen on our on our run. So I do hope we can have a good crack at the Champions League next season because it's all hypothetical at the moment, but it would be I good think to see how we actually go big time this season, you know. I don't think the competition's particularly strong at all. Um, no. You know, for a team like us, it'd be different, obviously, because we struggle in certain games. But for a team like United, I think they could have gone really far. In fact, Chelsea have gone very far as well, to you exactly that full picture. And, yeah, I think United would easily be up there to, to go far in Champions League. But I just think, obviously, if we can secure this Europa, it would put us in such good step for the future. I feel like a lot more people would get on side with Ole because we'd have second place, we'd have a trophy, we'd breach the semi-final thing, and then we could really kick on next season. But, you know, if we don't get this Europa, then I'd imagine United fan base will go into meltdown, but we'll, we'll come over that and block when we get to it. But that probably does wrap us up for today. Thanks very much to uh, Lenny and Malik for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you guys on. And, um, yeah, it's been great, man. Thank you for having us. No, no problem. Definitely get you on in the future if you're up for it. It's been great. So, um, yeah, thanks very much for listening, guys. Hope you uh, enjoyed. If you want to follow us on Twitter at Big Six Pod, feel free. We've been doing some more interactive sort of stuff on there, and we'll leave the links to Malik and Lenny if you want to follow them as well. So, uh, we'll leave that in the description of the tweet and stuff. Hope you guys are all keeping safe and staying well. Enjoy the football this week. It's definitely going to be a uh, fireworks, explosive. I hope, and we'll see you next week for another show.